Hello and welcome to another episode of Voice Club. This one's an exciting one to release. Although the audio quality is not what it could be, this was recorded as a live event. It was the first one at a new venue. And to see what that looks like, and particularly so if you're in Melbourne, to see a bit of the introduction and preamble, then you can go to the YouTube channel and watch that there. This audio version is going to jump right into the meat of the dialogue. And so I would actually just like to introduce the guest that joins me for this dialogue. His name is Cameron Duffy. Cam works as a dual diagnosis counsellor. He has an interest in human development, the art of shadow integration and therapeutic growth. He also has a passion for the philosophy and science of holistic health, functional optimization, and peak experiences that enable the realisation of our creative potential. I've been fortunate enough to enjoy many meaningful dialogues with Cam and he's a frequent attendee of the events that I run here and a core part of the community we're building. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think that there is a lot of valuable insight here as to the nature of how it is we can come into a more connected relationship with ourselves as that can be understood from a perspective of our nervous systems as well as a more metaphysical, philosophical one. And for those of you who are based in Melbourne and would like to attend an event like this, then you can go to voiceclub.com slash events or add me on Facebook or follow the project on Facebook. There's a Facebook group now, actually, which might be the most reliable way to get information about upcoming events. We've met a number of times this year, three times in the current location, and there'll be regular events every two weeks beginning from the start of next year. We'll probably have one more before the end of this one going from here on out where it's some mixture of film dialogues and then group contemplation practices, group conversations, experimenting with how it is we can generate insight together in a whole bunch of fun ways. And there have been some really beautiful moments and I've thoroughly enjoyed meeting everybody who's been coming along and it feels like there's really something growing here. So yeah, you were very much invited. And for those of you around the world, I'll be sharing as much as possible of what takes place there and also as well opening up to having group online conversations. So if you'd like to get involved, just send me a message, let me know. And yeah, I think that can all happen too. This is very much a global project as far as I intended at least. So, okay. All right. Let's get into it and have some fun. The title of this event is Disconnection in the Age of Connection. And these seem to me to be two really fundamental concepts. And importantly, they are concepts that can be felt. There's a real sense in which disconnection, connection, continuity, discontinuity, who you are, who you will become, all of these things are related somehow. They're related in this flow of life. There's a relationship we don't talk about much, but it is no, but we know it's one that we're on the pulse of, sort of seeking. Seeking connection, but constantly finding ourselves disconnected. And then we find ourselves connected again. So perhaps just as an opening to this discussion, Cam, what interested you to be here this evening? 
I guess, as you've just mentioned, this idea of connection and disconnection is such a primary part of who we are as our journey, as we go on our journey throughout life. And we make meaning through what we experience as a feeling of connection often, mm. you know, and we strive so much in our lives to overcome challenges towards um, achieving a sense of connection in whatever way we attempt to do so. Um, so it's inherently meaningful for every one of us, I think, and it's a very personal thing, the idea of connection and things that may be attributed towards uh, the tendency towards disconnection. Um, so we're all humans and this is a very human experience, connection and relative disconnection as we go through the various challenges or hardships that um, we might be challenged with in our lives. Right. There's two things that come up for me a little bit in thinking about connection and disconnection. They're, they're also very broad things. One is fear and the other is love. It's difficult to imagine feeling love in a mode of disconnection. Fear in the mode of connection, well, perhaps that's a little bit, perhaps that is something we can get at. We fear losing connection. Hmm. You know, it was interesting. We met together for the last Voice Club event to have an inquiry into what does it mean to be fearless. And I think a lot of meaningful things came up that evening. Connection and disconnection was something that came up. There was a sense in which the experience of fear was one of being somehow disconnected from yourself. And the title for that event was actually something that Cam came up with. And I was excited to do it because it was something Cam came up with. So I wonder, Cam, what comes up with you with respect to fear here and how it relates to what it means to be connected to yourself or, or disconnected from yourself? The first perspective that comes to mind for me is one of uh, human development and the tendency of our nervous systems to um, be biased towards achieving a sense of certainty. Um, so the, the neural pathways associated with survival are those which are reinforced or um, prioritized in our systems. Um, but with that comes, um, sometimes it can get locked in, for instance, with trauma, and um, that can lead to disconnection from the body. Sometimes in heightened states of trauma, you can just totally dissociate. And um, there is this tendency to disconnect when um, the body is overwhelmed. And so there needs to be a healing process that you go through within yourself in order to reestablish connection um, amongst different levels of development um, from the brainstem up towards the limbic system and uh, the frontal lobes, the cortex, these systems need to be fully integrated in order to have an internal sense of connection, which then relates to your ability to connect with those outside of yourself as you progress through that journey. And that requires the overcoming of fear because these early uh, evolutionary uh, centers of the human nervous system, the central nervous system, um, are very much predicated on um, the certainty of the survival function, which has the fear of not survival inherent in the scripting there. So you've got to look at um, how that's developed over your life and how the fear of it not, not working out or not making it is kind of a conditioned reflex in us as we interact with the world. And so, you know, some uh, 
personality psychologist and Tim Leary, Tim Leary in the 1960s actually mm-hmm. developed a um, eight circuit model of uh, the nervous system and consciousness in which the first four circuits he related to normal psychology, the normal uh, levels of development of human psychology. And they were very much um, systems based on fear of not surviving, fear of um, not acquiring control of resources, that kind of a thing, fear of not understanding. Um, symbol associations, understanding your situation, fear of uh, not reproducing. So there are all these inherent fears. And um, so the therapeutic process would ideally involve going back and understanding what it means to um, recognize how these um, areas of development have been conditioned throughout your life in a way that could be error prone. And the propensity for fear might be maximized if they're error prone. So by going back, and healing at each level, you can look at, okay, what does it mean to overcome um, the stress response system through uh, yoga or martial arts or whatever. Um, so you have control when it's stimulated and you right. maintain a sense of control. And so the fear propensity is minimized. And so you can master, you know, what does it mean to um, maintain a master of your emotions, emotion regulation, yes. um, to understand your situation in the universe, um, the sense of, a logical analysis and language use at that level, you know, um, the greater coherency you develop amongst these systems and the greater sense of integration, the more you're able to overcome the inherent fears that can develop in our survival environment and work towards going up that Maslow hierarchy towards self-actualization or individualization as, uh, or individuation as Jung called it, right. towards overcoming fear and embracing the love that can await us as we you know, resonate with our environment, the people in it and their journeys and hopefully achieve some kind of a resonant state in which love can really be embraced and actualized as a creative potentiality. Mm, beautiful. Okay. So we have many different aspects of ourselves that can be out of balance with each other. That maybe a better way to put it might be that some aspects of our psychology, some things we come to think about the world that are important for our security, or even before we think a basic sense of mapping onto the world that's expected that we associate with security, the feeling of home, you know, as a child, just the presence of your parents, the, the, the smell of your house, these associations that we consider with safety, which sort of need to be there to form the bedrock of what enables a young organism to go out or to be curious about something else in their experience to then learn and then grow. What seems to happen is when a baseline level of security is compromised, it becomes difficult to integrate new experiences in something continuous. I wonder, Cam, if you could say a little bit about what your work, which is really more of a vocation, I think, consists of. So to sum that up quite briefly, and then if you could say some of the things you've picked up that are really the bedrock conditions of what need to be present in order to come into connection with yourself enough so that you then can begin to, let's say, move towards a direction of being genuinely 
open to situations in the world that might challenge you. That seems to be a really fundamental thing that we all need to become very capable at, really develop our sovereignty in being able to experience things that challenge us, but to be able to hold that in consciousness and learn rather than immediately respond. Unless, of course, it's time to immediately respond. You know, there's times when it's appropriate just to immediately lash back or run or whatever it happens to be. But in the in the realm of ideas and in the realm of engaging with other human beings in communication, the more we can be present with what is, the more we can maintain a continuity in relationship, the more we can maintain and develop connection toward some of these higher potentialities. So I guess what I'd like to do is con is to present some of the bedrock conditions of sovereign or competent functioning, this connection within ourselves, this development within ourselves, which then enables a sort of effective relationship with others and the world more broadly. Yeah, I'd like to just reaffirm that humans have incredible potential. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is something that isn't always apparent to themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, it's only when you're able to sit down with them and create a, a safe kind of space for them to actually um, not feel like they need to be on guard and defensive that you can actually allow them to connect with themselves mm -hmm. and um, look at what it means to become self-aware enough to realize their potential and actualize that through actions, mm -hmm. through error correction, um, through look at the patterns of this is my thought action consequence process and this is what isn't working out. Okay, what does that mean? You know, mm -hmm. If you were to keep doing that, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What can you change in your thought process? You know, what conditioned you to react in this way? Mm -hmm. So, you know, people come from a very noisy world. Their day-to-day -day world yeah. is it's they're constantly bombarded by stimuli and their systems are constantly on alert. Mm. You know, their stress response system, their limbic system, everything is firing, firing, firing. Mm. And they enter these social spaces often that trigger all their childhood dynamics. I call it socio-ecological um, dynamic space mm -hmm. where um, the kind of the limbic system is constantly being fired up in social situations. Um, and so they don't really get the chance to move beyond that and actually communicate on a more cerebral level in a way that can lead to that, that sort of um, progressive um, sense of um, self-actualization in the, the interpersonal context. And so um, ideally in a therapeutic situation, it depends on a, a, you know, someone's personality and their capacity, what their main challenges are and you know what are the blockages at what stages of development or what are their main issues in their narrative or self-script and um, just enabling a sense of uh, con connection with their self-awareness you know that's the first step really you know are they what are they capable of first um, you've got to work with their capacity and accordingly with um, looking at um, what risks there are and what's going to maximize their health and well-being in, in the context of their capacity but if they do have the capacity for self-awareness you know, how can you provide the space for that? And that requires the art of interacting in a way that takes them out of that dynamic space and into a very validating, uh, affirming space as they explore themselves and you give them room and space to do that. Right, so CAM works as a dual diagnosis counselor. That's the first line on your bio. But I wonder how would you 
describe what it is you do when you feel if you can presence what it is to feel most meaningfully connect like the, the real meaningful output of that we meet people and it's like what do you do you know what do you do for work or what do you do for this and then all of a sudden it's this weird moment of defining yourself often in relationship to something that's not that does not feel close to your heart or your soul does not feel close to what it really means for you to step forward with integrity feeling full of who you are in an authentic way and it's like oh i work as a copywriter it's like oh yeah okay cool i mean <laughs> um that's not quite how i experience my life day to day it's not how i feel when i am most meaningfully connected to myself and others so how 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 would you describe what your role is if you were to speak to really really the core meaning service that you're providing for people or to the degree to which they've got the capacity for it, just provide the space for them to make connections within themselves that are meaningful and reframe things in a meaningful way such that they can go out into the world and change the way they um, impulsively react to situations or at least pause before they do react impulsively and realize that, hey, this is um, an impulse we've looked at. It doesn't work for me. I need to just do some breathing and bring myself into a more cerebral state, mm. take myself out of this dynamic. Or if I am in this dynamic, just say that I need to leave or keep it simple. Knowing mm. that situations can escalate in that dynamic space. There's a lot of energy there. There's a lot of um, need for will to be exerted, mm. you know, because a lot of that uh, dynamic space is about, you know, disempowerment and empowerment. Um, Maybe tell us, define what you mean by dynamics a little bit so we can get more of a handle on it. I guess it's um, an, an interpersonal kind of um, emotive state in a relationship, transactional relationship with another. Right. Um, which is often developed in early um, childhood in relation to the parental or caregiver figures um, as your needs are supposedly being met or not being met and accordingly. Right, so it's a stimulus and response or sort of, it's a stimulus response conditioning that takes place as we look to communicate ourselves to the world, as we look to relate to other people, as we relate to situations. And the key piece of wisdom really being how do we cultivate that space between stimulus and response? So being able to come into an awareness of what your state is, what your experience is, once something happens that all of a sudden introduces or presents itself as a sort of disconnection or a discontinuity. So something sort of flowing along, I'm having you know a conversation with someone I care about and all of a sudden something comes up and my subjective state has changed. I don't feel on that same pulse. It's not flowing quite as easily. There's something that's come up and it's like, oh, I feel dif different now. Like There's some kind of map that has been a little bit challenged by a piece of information. And often an immediate response to that might be to reject it. I mean, it might be scary. It might be pushing back on it. And then we condition those responses of pushing back or repressing or with anger sort of slapping down um, something because it challenges what was a state of connection, a state of security, 
you know, and we can pass apart security and connection, but there's a sense in which there's something that seems um, somewhat relevant to hold them together there. So it's how do we find, how do we develop the capacity to um, hold that space, to recognize that space between stimulus and response so that then we can engage in some kind of new mode of exploration or understanding of ourselves in that context. Maybe we can come to understand our relationship with a particular drug, a particular addictive cycle from a slightly new perspective, and then maybe begin to try and embed new behaviors. And then, of course, we can't come across a new problem, which is that the environment and the habitat that we're a part of might not exactly be allowing us so easily to change ourselves. Because, of course, these things is not like one little moment of disconnection and connection here. There's so much noise around us all the time. And even if we're not talking about noise, we're talking about just a, a really deeply embedded environment and history and culture that we're a part of. And we can talk about family dynamics and aspects of the psyche that sort of play out in these kind of repeatable and story-like ways. And then there are, you know, steeped into the very stone around us, there are years of um, conditioned <laughs> behaviours in relationship to certain objects, in relationship to certain kinds of gatherings, in relationship to what it is to gather like we are now. You know, we can note the stage in front of us here and there's something a bit disconnecting about that to some degree. It does seem to me to feel like that. I mean, I, I feel like I have to talk outside of myself a little bit just to um, um, reach out, so to speak, so that maybe so that maybe there's something I can put out here that then we can both grasp together. And so something I'm really quite interested in, as I know we've spoken about quite a lot of times, is what does it take to involve more and more people um, in sort of what we're doing right now, which is doing our best to, in a sense, it feels a bit like a modeling because, you know, there's an audience here and we're up here on stage. And it's like we're modeling a sort of exploration for the purpose of some sort of value transmission. But there's a transmission element to it. And that's kind of what we're used to in life. You know, we turn on TVs, we get messages from radio, we get taught things at school. It's often in a very top-down way. It's not often the case that we really come into a sort of um, kind of participatory knowing with others where through a collaboration, what the wisdom is to be presenced at a really deep level that might only be able to be presenced by putting six people together in such a way that the sum of them becomes the whole of them becomes more than the sum of their parts so something i'm interested in is how do we move from a sort of um a top-down message delivery to a genuine kind of involvement that um, more and more people can participate in and that's something we're going to experiment with quite shortly in the second half of in the second half of this evening um, but I know I sort of took the conversation from one place to another here, sort of talking about this stimulus response relationship and how that might be a bedrock of what to recognize in order to cultivate your own capacity to enter into certain kinds of creative relationships with people and generally, generally a transformative relationship with the world. That's a key piece. I wonder if there's anything else from your work with people who are 
you know, particularly damaged with respect to their own sense of connectivity to themselves and the world, what other things have you found to be really crucial ingredients to building or enabling, empowering human beings to come more fully into themselves? One thing that really needs to be developed to the degree to which an individual can is an internal locus of control. So when you've got unnet means as a child, there's the sense that something outside of me didn't cater to my needs. Mm. And so there's this orientation towards the way other people impact you. And there's a tendency towards problem thinking, such as blaming, you know, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. And this is, that's why I am the way I am. And this perpetuates very toxic dynamics, generally speaking, and very toxic personality complexes. Um, prisons are filled with people that have these complexes in their minds of blaming everyone but themselves for their reactive tendencies. And so if someone can develop through the therapeutic process an internal sense of I'm control of my reactions and through practice and the neuroplasticity associated with practice, they can reaffirm um, corrections in their thinking that lead to emotive responses that um, they will to have that pause between stimulants and response and moderate their reactions through mindfulness whatever it might be through taking that destructive energy off the impulse and transmuting it into a constructive outlet, whether it's um, movement, sports, whatever people uh, have in mind as um, their mode of expression, music. Um, it's about recognizing that as a kind of energy, understanding that only they are responsible for managing that energy if they want to improve their lives and avoid impacting other people as well. And then uh, looking at the self-awareness of actually taking that um, as a form of action and actualizing how that plays out in their lives, right? So they've got this eternal sense of I'm in control of my reactions, therefore I determine my well-being and the path of my life as a responsible person. You know, this is the process of developing adult responsibility, understanding that only you are in control of your reactions, essentially, regardless of whatever damage happened as a childhood, which needs to be validated. You know, a lot of people have, um, their needs just weren't met as children and that isn't their fault. They were completely vulnerable. You know, that's the um, price we pay for our potential with our enlarged craniums. You know, we get born in a completely vulnerable state. Um, so the price of potentiality is our vulnerability to these um, conditioning propensities. Um, but through therapeutic growth, we can learn to actually um, master some of these destructive impulses and turn them around into constructive outlets to actually grow our sense of um, responsibility, self-control and potential for acting in relation to the world in a constructive and hopefully um, progressive manner. Yeah, that's beautiful. There's so many things in that. Something that came up powerfully there is the notion that what enables us to have such potential is the very thing which makes us vulnerable to the manipulation and narrowing and ultimately torturing of it. And that's, that's something to sit with. There's something deeply sad. There's something deeply sad about potential un- fulfilled and I suppose there are two components to that which are of course interrelated and in some fundamental sense I think we could have an exploration where we spoke about these two components as together 
but I think now we can take them apart a little bit. And those two components are the, the individual element. You know, what can I develop? What's the agency I can develop in myself to become who I am? And then, of course, also the habitat and the environment which we're a part of. And I do feel that part of why we're gathered here today is certainly a motivating factor for me. And it does seem to be something that is becoming a heightened sense in the world and it's becoming it's becoming a more and more prescient lurking and looming pulse shadow feeling and that is that there's something about the habitat there's something about the system that we're a part of there's something about the multi-layered system we're a part of that is not conducive to enabling the realization of our potential, not only individually, but collectively. And the reality is the world has been this way for a very long time. And I'm not saying that there's sort of a top-down cabal of elites that are necessarily responsible for all of this. Although there are certainly people in power who have a vested interest in maintaining where they are in that system of power. But the point fundamentally is that a system itself can incentivize certain behavior in it. And so it's this individual element and then what is incentivized by the habitat as it's been constructed over many <laughs> stimulus and response conditioned interactions over a very long period of time. And it's that deep seated sense of where can I go? What can I do? How can I really become who I feel I could be? How can I love more? How can I have more time with friends and family and, 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 and express myself in, in a way that feels true but loving and not like I'm having to shut my eyes to aspects of the world which are cruel and perhaps ultimately necessary to support my current standard of living in this world and in this society. The fact is we are interconnected and the more, in fact, one comes into awareness of oneself, the, the more I think one realizes the nature of that connectivity. And that seems to me to be a huge, huge thing. And um, it seems that a lot is changing and has to change in really quite radical ways. And I think people know that, you know, Obviously, people know that hundreds of thousands of kids and people just on the streets the other week in Melbourne to protest climate extinction rebellion today, as I mentioned before. But there's a sense in which there's all this momentum for change, but we're not actually sure really what to do. And I wonder how and, and the reason I'm saying this is to bring it right back in again and to stress that it's, it's actually it seems like this interpersonal capacity to communicate itself regarding difficult ideas in a context of what might scare you you know that 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 your children or your loved ones or your parents are not safe perhaps or that you might be complicit in someone else's child or parent not being safe in another part of the world these are things which call into question really are very the very substructure of the pillars of culture that support us and that we come to call home and form identity relationships with. And so 
it's just why it's so it's so goddamn relevant to really engage in in a deep sort of listening a quietening of the noise in your own mind and what emerges from then like i i really don't know i don't want to be up here speaking like this is some sort of um you know mountain that i've climbed very far up it's really not like that at all this is really much more of an invitation over a sustained period of time to come together and genuinely sit with what seems to be the case and even that sounds a bit too definitive i'm not saying we're going to crack what the case is but what we can do is start to put together interesting maps of things and then feel what it's like to presence that and then maybe begin to put some pieces put a few pieces together and find some sort of way we can be in relationship with each other that's somehow more somehow more real because there aren't such fundamental things we're avoiding um, and i don't know what that looks like i really really don't it's a, it's one big experiment but what's interesting is that there are many people around the world engaging in something similar and so there's a possibility of involving what we might be able to create here with with the online world and different communities around the world so anyway again i know i'm sort of stepping away from a part of the flow in the conversation but i would like just to try and bring things back to how we are in fact gathered here in an actual space and we can engage with each other and that's something i'm really looking forward to doing in like about 15 20 minutes time so cam i guess if you can maybe talk to the the system or the habitat or elements of our environment that you find most inconducive to enabling connection if there's anything that comes up there for you you feel as might be interesting to put forward um, or really anything else at all though. well the reality is as you've explained we've got many challenges facing us with population densities increasing the amount of noise that we face on a daily basis the stimuli it can be completely overwhelming for a lot of people and it does have a threshold point at which maybe it's not going to function or sustain itself which is you know, what some people in various ways seem to be aware of as they go to the streets and protest. And one thing that comes to mind is what Terence McKenna said, and this is a bit of a leap, but I will go back to the primal point here. The main thing is to, re to remember is that we're trapped in some kind of a work of art. So this is an ultimate point of self-awareness, and with that comes the empowering sense of we can create an image of our potentiality in whatever way. And the reason why I've got a passion for metaphor and art is because what can be represented is our potential through the lens of looking at the levels and the levels at play as we sort of understand ourselves and our relationship with our environment. Um, you know, we've come out of this um, harmonic connection in some sense in our history uh, into this sort of agriculture, then industrial civilization eventually. And in doing so, we've, um, as Ramdas said once, we've come out of the trees where there wasn't enough and now we've actually got enough um, with our technology, our, you know, our sense of knowledge of how to use that. Um, but we've got all these adaptations to this primitive hierarchical way of relating to um, objects. 
And with industrial civilization came this sense of stuff is what's meaningful. Mm. And stuff gives us reassurance and comfort and a sense of um, meaning, however shallow. But in doing so, we've sacrificed so much when it comes to that harmonic connection with nature, which seems to be essential for mental health maintenance, you know. Mm. And with this comes, you know, a lot of people going back into nature and into shamanic traditions and experiencing rituals, this thing that's been lost in industrial civilization, um, in which they do experience this enhanced connectivity with themselves and their environment. And through that conduit, meaning is realized and mm. communication and connection is rediscovered mm. in a way that industrial civilization has kind of shut off and disconnected us from. You know, with the internet, we've got a sense of um, connection, but are we connected to icons of connection or actual, actually connected? You know, can we combine the icons of connection through electronic mediums with actually enhancing our communicative capacity? Mm. You know, so we need to assimilate our humanness and how our will for connection at deeper levels with whatever technologies we've got. Intelligent use of technology can lead us in great directions, but until we connect with ourselves and each other and create better protocols for communicating, we're not going to be able to actualize our potentiality in the way we really deeply desire to. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Hmm. It's a really interesting contemplation to consider just how deep the relationship between connectivity and disconnectivity or connection and disconnection really does lie. How, how deep is that in the substructure? How deep is that in the metaphysics of being itself? The, the constitutive relationships which combine to create the gestalt and color and beauty and wonder and terror and all of this feeling that we are here involved with involved in we are it right it's not us somehow merely it seems to me at least that we're not merely contingent on a whole bunch of stuff although of course we are emergent from it in some fundamental sense, but we are it expressing itself. We are expressions of reality itself. And, and so therefore there is something that, you know, and I have not making this argument tight, of course, but really what I'm trying to communicate with, with a, with a sense of feeling is, is that there seems to be, and there seems there has to be something in the nature of what it is to experience itself and live itself and listen and quieten, which can enact or enable a deep sense of participation with reality itself, which seems to be a good bet as the key towards involving ourselves again with a cycle of participation in the world that looks to be moving towards the direction of harmony at least a little bit. So to put that in a way that's hopefully a bit more simple, there's a level of knowing much deeper, much more primary to the level of knowing associated with beliefs at this level up here. That I'm sitting here, that the world works in that particular way. Right? I'm a human being with these sort of properties. Before we form symbolic representation, even perhaps, 
before we do representation making at all maybe not that's that's a deep metaphysical question it's like we this connection and disconnection seems to happen deep because it's involved in the very the very realization of transformation and development this is something we actually have to accept our own disconnection in order to come in and to come into and awaken to different parts of ourselves right there's a sense in which there's a sense in which it's not appropriate for me to presence the boy here who might be too afraid to speak to you you know that boy has to find a different way to contribute now right and there's a sense in which to leave behind the security of a childhood is to well is to let go in some sense that looks a little bit like a disconnection maybe so it's not not so not so not so simple i know i'm introducing a couple a couple of things here and a bit of a a bit of a wonder around but that there's a way of knowing deeper than beliefs participatory knowing as a thinker like John Bavaki will refer to it as there's a mode of being in the world a way of listening and being with and enacting that is something we have within us that has been born along throughout billions of years of evolution that we can presence and it's that it's that it's from that source that i feel the that has to be held that has to be in touch with we have to be in touch with that should we i think really wish to presence the beginnings of solutions to some of the problems we face so yeah i i guess in closing then cam what do you make of this idea of participatory knowing this way of feeling into the very depths the depths of who we are or allowing the depths of what we are to emerge through our well it's our potential emerging through this deeper sense of connectivity with the flow of that around us it's it's affected by everything around us and we become conduits for what then is an expression of a whole beyond just how we would conceptualize ourselves at the ego level maybe at the individual level itself yes yeah, self awareness and um you know flow states through um physical action in the world engaging in a meaningful way um very essential and just to touch on some of those things you mentioned um one important concept um that brings together a lot of things i think is inspiration we've got to find what inspires ourselves and we've got to repeat it like a diet you know because it's only that which is inspiring that allows us to move through that darkness you know there's so much discomfort and distress that we need this um reference to inspiration or an image of the ideal of what we could be if we were to endure that can get us to the place that we want to be so i always like to emphasize that we need to find what inspires us whether it's quotes art um the idea of our ideal self the idea of um love of um you know perfection of some kind whatever image or affirmation inspires you needs to be the conduit through which you relate to the world as you face discomfort turmoil distress whatever it might be and having that as a reference allows you to endure that little bit more and that is meaningful that endurance mm. that ability to sort of be present you know to um 
get into this flow of affirmation with reference to this, this inspirational thing, this image or um, quote, whatever it might be for you, and to practice that on a daily basis, you're making connections in your brain and you're actually overcoming a lot of the, um, the impulses that would otherwise weigh you down. You know, the, the metaphor of the cocoon of darkness as we go through the, the muck of trying to survive the basic conditions of this, this planet, this ecosystem, this social container, economic container. You know, that is something to really relate to. Um, but what kind of a metamorphosis are we going to have if we don't find what it means to actually build that self-awareness and focus our minds in such a way that we can emerge from that cocoon and you know then we can explore what it means to spread our wings and take flight mm. and you know individually that means something to different to everyone mm. but collectively we can inspire ourselves once we inspire and inside ourselves what mm. it means to do that first mm, beautiful so something to be with something to inspire yourself with something to hold a certain sort of faith with through a process of transformation transformation is essential to our journey in life you know um we've got to learn what it means to actually engage in transformation you know mm. get support, whatever support we need to do that and uh, self-awareness is one of the beginning beginning points of that developing our, our talents our relationship with our qualities our potential you know, there's so much to be gained just through self-awareness as a springboard through which we can engage in more efficient or affirming ways with the world, you know. Um, and there's all kinds of things we can manifest if we set our minds to it. Yeah, beautiful. Well, that seems like um, a good place to end for this part of this evening. So, Cam, thank you. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening as a podcast, remember to subscribe and hit the bell to track upcoming releases. Much love. The, the thrill is gone.